everyone. You're listening to the Health and Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Alison Mitchell, a practicing naturopath, and you can find me on naturopathnsw.com.au. These podcasts will feature discussions on various health conditions, health tips, and nutrition from a naturopathic perspective. Sometimes it's just me, sometimes I'm interviewing guests. All the time, I hope to share with you information on health and wellbeing with the aim to empower and educate. Please remember that all information is general and not a specific recommendation that replaces consulting with a practitioner. Please talk to your healthcare practitioner before undertaking any changes to your treatment regime. Hi, Laura. Thanks for joining us. How'd you sleep last night? <laughs> slept quite well, actually, I think, which I don't have any problems with sleep, so I'm pretty lucky in general. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, I slept pretty well as well, and I think I'm doing pretty well to be continuing to sleep well at this stage of the pregnancy as yeah. well. I just find that I have to have that pillow between my knees, and then I'm usually all good. <laughs> awesome. No, yeah, get as much of it as you can now. <laughs> yeah, I <know. laughs> So as, you, as everyone knows, we're going to be talking about sleep and insomnia today. And I think this is a pretty important topic because sleep is one of those fundamental important things in, that you need to get right to fix the rest of your health. So when it comes to looking at any sort of condition, the main staples that you need to address is your diet, your stress levels and your sleep and, and your exercise as well. So for sleep, we know that in Australia, about 13 to 33% of, of adults have regular difficulty in either getting to sleep or staying asleep. I know in, in New South Wales alone, almost one fifth of the population are chronically sleep restricted. And in a lot of the people who are actually going to any health practitioners, about 50% of people with depression also have insomnia. And depression and insomnia, uh, respectively, are the first and the third most common reasons why people seek help for any sort of mental health disorder. So issues that can be involved in difficulty sleeping can be difficulty falling asleep um, at a bedtime that allows you to get your good eight hours sleep it can be waking up throughout the night and not being able to get back to sleep it can be being restless or wakeful throughout the night waking up just once to go to the bathroom isn't really an issue it's unless you have trouble getting back to sleep after that and when we're looking at the definition of insomnia it also has to be that it will affect your day afterwards and you have had these symptoms for at least four weeks as well to actually have a class as insomnia. Also in general our sleep hours are reducing so in the 1960s our average sleep time was about eight and a half hours per night and now it's about six and a half hours per night and or slightly longer on weekends when people are playing catch up but the recommendation now is for everyone to have about seven to eight hours and that's more if you're a teenager or a child. Yeah, for sure. I, I can't function properly unless I have eight hours sleep. Yeah, I need it quite a lot as well. Yeah. But oversleeping isn't, isn't good for you either. Mm -mm, absolutely. And the you know symptoms or the bad effects of oversleeping can be the same as the effects of undersleeping. So you've got to get the balance yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. And so... What a lot of people don't know is that when we're actually asleep, that we are going through certain stages of that sleep cycle as well. Yes, 
So the sleep, the main two different phases are the REM, which most people have heard about because of the band, and the NREM. So the REM is the rapid eye movement sleep, and this starts about 90 minutes into your sleep. And, and these two phases kind of cycle throughout the night. So 90 minutes after you've fallen asleep, you usually hit your REM. And during your REM sleep, that's when you're dreaming, usually, mm-hmm. doing your, your main dreaming. Usually in the REM sleep, your body gets paralyzed so that you're not acting out your dreams. So this is real full-on sleep. And it's thought that, you know, when we're having our rapid eye movement sleep and our dream sleep, that's where we're processing events of the day or repressed memories and and getting, I guess, our psychological work done. Uh, So it's really important for our brain, you know, our brain function and our moods to get the REM sleep Mm. happening. Uh, And so the first time we go into REM sleep, it lasts about 10 minutes. And then each cycle of REM throughout the night gets a little bit longer. And the longest phase is an hour or up to an hour. And that happens about 30 minutes before we wake up in the morning. The other stage of sleep is the NREM. And the NREM is broken into three different stages. It used to be four stages of NREM. And now they've tried decided to recategorize it into three stages. Uh, So it gets a little bit complicated when you're thinking about the four stages of NREM, but that's the first sleep that we go into. So the first bit of NREM is your light sleep. So if you're in your light sleep, you might wake up and think you haven't been to sleep yet. So people who say, oh, I didn't sleep all night, Mm. a lot of the time they're actually in that first stage of NREM where they're kind of dozing. And then that gets deeper and deeper. And so the deep NREM sleep is when your brain waves actually slow down. And so the energy of the body is on healing. So the energy use slows down. You know, in the day, we're using our energy a lot. At nighttime, it's all about repair. So the deep stage of NREM sleep, the brain waves are nice and slow. There might be some dreaming happening, but it's mostly about growth and repair of the body. So we really need this. All Most of the body's repairing happens when we're asleep. So we need this deep phase of sleep for our bodies to heal mm. uh, and be, stay well. So that's the stages. Yeah. And I think that, I, I don't want to get too deep into it because it <laughs> gets a bit confusing, uh, but that's it in a nutshell. But essentially what people can understand from that is that the, that hour before, like an hour before midnight is worth two hours after. And that's because that's that first half is that deep stage three. And yes. that's where all the restoration and the detoxification happens. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so sleep's pretty important. Oh, so important. Yeah. So I've had a long fascination and love affair with sleep. <laughs> um, my first assignment at naturopathic college was on sleep because that's there you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we used to think that we in sleep our body and our brain would just sort of like quiet down and essentially it was just like a relaxation period um, but or like taking a break. But now we know that there's actually so much important functions that are occurring during sleep. And so some, some of those are actually happening more actively than they are during the day, like, for instance, our detoxification system as well. So uh, it's how deeply you sleep that's really important um, because if you get a really long period of sleep and it's really quite light, then it's, just, it's still not going to be as good for you as if you actually did get a much more efficient period of sleep. Absolutely. So say four hours of really deep sleep is better than seven hours of light broken sleep. Mm, yeah. I haven't looked too much into it, but there is some um, talk about how biphasic sleep is is meant to be okay as well, where people yep. actually get the two periods of sleep. 
Do yeah, you know about I, that? I've just read a little bit more recently where they think that back in the olden days that was the way people slept, mm. that they'd wake up in the middle of the night, like they'd sleep for four hours, wake up, have a little snack or read or do something quiet and then go back to sleep for mm. four hours, which I find really interesting. Maybe stoke the fire. <laughs> yeah, 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 warm things up again and then yeah. go back to sleep. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So I guess if you, if you do wake up in the middle of the night and your mind is racing, then do the thing that you need to do and then go back to sleep. Yeah, don't pan- I think the worst thing people can do is panic mm. and panic about being awake. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to got to go with the flow. Yeah, yeah. So, but obviously we don't want to be sleep deprived because that's really, really bad for us. Yes. <laughs> so I know that, like, for instance, well, most people can cope with the occasional bad night of sleep, but it's, it's when it starts to accumulate, that's when it really starts to affect your health. Yes. So we know that sleep deprivation is a risk factor for obesity, which can increase your risk of obesity by up to 55%. And one of the studies that looked at this found that people who get too much sleep are also more likely to be overweight. So again, you want to aim for that eight hours. And um, one of the mechanisms, of, well, it's, it's still not completely understood how it actually does affect our weight, but one of the mechanisms is how it affects the hormones leptin and ghrelin, which are responsible for our appetite and our satiety as well. I think also if you're not getting the good quality sleep, your adrenals aren't repairing. Yep. So that's probably another um, aspect of why the, the weight might get impacted. Yeah. Definitely. And I know, I remember when I was really into the sleep when I was a bit younger, I remember reading studies about uh, rat studies where they had deprived the rats of sleep. I don't really, uh, well, I guess they're necessary sometimes, animal studies. But uh, so these rats that have been deprived of sleep, their white blood cells would reduce, which means their immune Mm. systems would not be firing well their body temperature would decrease and eventually if they were continuously deprived of sleep, they would die. Mm. So you will die if you don't have sleep. (laughs) Uh, And then human studies were done where the humans were woken up every time they reached REM sleep. So every time they reached their processing, their dream stage of sleep, they would be woken up and these humans would then end up with hallucinations during the day when they were awake. So it shows that not only do we need sleep, we need dreams. If we don't dream, we hallucinate because our brain needs that processing time. It's crazy. It's amazing. (laughs) And sleep deprivation is linked with a whole host of other sorts of conditions as well, like heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, um, mental health issues like depression and anxiety. It's also, um, like if you don't, obviously people know that if you don't get enough sleep, you can't think clearly in the next day. And I know like when I'm working with my um, patients who are teenagers and students and things like that, I say to them, getting a good night's sleep is the most important thing that you can do in preparation for your exams. More like, So don't stay up and cram because mm-hmm. like, they've done studies where they were sleep deprived and, and these kids just weren't able to perform the tasks or recall the information regardless of how much they'd prepared beforehand so you you do you have to get that sleep and high school students and teenagers do have a higher requirement for sleep as well they do and the problem now with talking to my teenage patients is that they're all on their phones and on these chat things Mm. until midnight and this seems to be the norm so because everyone's on there talking well you're not gonna they don't want to be the one missing out and Mm. so it's really it's really important to try and educate teenagers I think on the importance of sleep and how much they do need because now technology is getting in the way and I guess that's for a lot of us technology is getting in the way of our sleep 
Yeah, definitely. And I think like when you you're lying there and then you get this buzz of a notification if you if you're keeping your phone nearby and you get this stress response and it wakes you up again. Yep. So it's not good to keep your phone by your bedside. No, <laughs> <Don't do that. laughs> no. My phone. I mean, I miss calls during the day because my phone, when it's on silent, it's I've turned all vibrate off. So mm. I know no, nothing happens when I'm asleep. Nothing disturbs me because I, I have it all completely dead. You can get a little thing on your phone that will actually. Um, it's like a do not disturb or something along those lines. Mm. I know on, on my iPhone it, it has that. And so you can set it so that if someone calls more than three times, then it'll allow it through. And if you, you can put permitted people on there, like like your husband or your mum or something like that, or your children, so that like if they call you, you know that they're not calling you just to have a random chat because they're staying up night. It's they're calling you because they're like, help me or something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? For mm. parents that their kids maybe they've got teenagers who are out at night time, mm. so then they they can still get their calls. Yeah, but then yeah, it doesn't vibrate or anything like that, and you don't get any of the notifications from mm. your apps and, and that sort of chunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a good yeah. tip. Um, and one of the other things that um, sleep deprivation can do as well is that it can make you more inflamed. Mm. Um, so you're getting this chronic low grade inflammation, and so. Like you were saying as well with the rat studies, the effect of the white blood cells as well. So there's that. Um, but your chronic inflammation can also be affecting your gut flora. And anyone who's been listening to these podcasts knows that your gut flora is super, super important. <laughs> yeah. And we need to have a healthy level balance of that in order to be healthy everywhere else. Exactly. The, the centre of all health. Yes. So why why then are all these people having sleep issues? There's so many things that are happening that's affecting our sleep. So I know like one of the major things that's affecting it is light. And this can actually be in the form of natural light. So in, in the case of shift workers, this can work against you. Um, but most commonly the form of light that's actually affecting our health is artificial light or like, like indoor light. And so there's many people that are just watching TV or they're playing on their phones or their iPad um, to try and make themselves sleepy. But really it's having the opposite effect. And then that will actually affect how deeply you sleep. So it may not necessarily affect the hours that you sleep, but like we were talking about before, it affects that, that stage of restorative sleep that you can get to. So what, what's happening is that, so the light's transmitted through our eyes um, and then where, where that goes through to make the sleep hormone melatonin and then the signals that the light sends then talk to our body's master clock, which is what affects our body's circadian rhythms. And all the cells in our body get in sync with this rhythm and it can affect our hormones, our metabolism, our body temperature. But like all light can have an impact, but in particular blue light is the most problematic because of the effect that that has on our sleep cycles. So sunlight is really strong. Like I said, this can work against you if you're a shift worker, but we can use it to our advantage to help with our sleep by getting outside for a couple of, like, couple of minutes, like 20 minutes or 15 minutes in the morning. I go for a walk at that time, and that will actually help to set up our body clock for the rest of the day. And it works more effectively if you're physically active while you're doing that. Yeah, yep. good tip. Yeah. Uh, other things, I guess, that affect uh, the sleep quality, so noise as well. So we want to try and be in a quiet environment or a um, ambient noise. You know, some people like to sleep to the sound mm. of waves or white noise or whatever it is, but it should be just 
consistently the same kind of noise or if you, you you know people get used to living next to a highway that's a bit different but if it was a highway and then bang then that's not going to be yeah stress response ah. yeah uh temperature of the bedroom as well the ideal temperature for your sleeping environment is 18 degrees so we shouldn't have it too hot or too cold and mm-hmm. i find a lot of people overdress for bed mm. so i think that's quite a big problem when it comes to sleep quality people wearing flannelette pajamas and socks and then their big dooners and just getting too hot (laughs) I used to do it too when I was younger but now I wear summer pajamas to bed all all year long and I sleep a lot better Uh, so sleeping in darkness uh, with uh, block out blinds if you're sleeping in the daytime they block out the light or um, eye masks are really good for keeping it a nice dark environment so that you don't get exposed the the hormones messing up your sleep pattern yeah because the sunlight is just the most powerful effect on your melatonin levels more so than the indoor light yeah definitely that's a good tip (laughs) what about um electric blankets they're kind of bad for your sleep aren't they yeah i'm so anti-electric blankets Mm. i take a heat wheat just to you know if i've got cold feet i'll have a heat wheat as i go to sleep and it's just warm and then i get to sleep and i'm fine but electric blankets the idea of an electric current running through your bed just Mm. freaks me out and, yeah. and you get so warm. Like, who's woken up at four o'clock in the morning and you're just boiling hot? I had an electric blanket when I was a teenager, when I was living with my parents. And I remember waking up at one point and I was hallucinating because I was so hot. I thought mm. that dinosaurs had come into my bedroom. <laughs> and I was like, never again. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Mm. Anti, anti electric blankets. Because mm. they do recommend that you turn it off before you actually fall asleep. Yep. But. There's there's a lot of people out there that are not doing that. Mm -mm. And the fire hazard associated with it as well is a little bit scary. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of the electrical current issue, and and that's a whole other topic, but um, one, what people can get as well is earthing sheets where you actually plug it into the wall outlet, but you have it turned off. And if it's a grounded outlet, that can help a lot of people because Mm -hmm. if you're disconnected from that, um, negative current then you you can become more inflamed and it can affect your cortisol rhythms as well yeah. so there's a there's a little bit of research on it uh, not a huge amount but it is still exciting and i've experimented with um, my husband who isn't a super duper sleeper and um, a lot of patients as well and they've all found that the earthing sheets and earthing mats and things like that can be really helpful awesome mm. yeah but just yeah just earthing during the day can still be helpful yeah yeah um, the other thing with the light as well is that it affects our dopamine signaling and then that can have a flow on effect on our stress hormones um, so then which that can affect our predisposition to metabolic syndrome so they're getting insulin resistance and high cholesterol and weight gain and all of that as well and so definitely you've got to have the healthy stress levels so if your cortisol, cortisol levels are too high at, at night or they're peaking too early in the morning, this will affect your melatonin levels. And then also having high cortisol throughout the night will cause you to go to the toilet more. So um, while like it could also just be like the timing of your fluid intake, like you don't want to drink too much before bed, then if you're really stressed, then the aldosterone will cause you to wake up to go to the toilet more. So what can people do if their sleep sucks? <laughs> Lots. Lots. <laughs> so getting a good sleep routine and working on sleep hygiene mm. are 
huge when it comes. I've, it amazes me how many people have poor sleep and when you speak to them about what they do before bed, they get home from work, cook dinner, watch TV, do work, go back to work on the computer, get into bed and expect to fall asleep. And I just, how is that ever going to happen? It's just, like... <laughs> yeah, your mind is on and you're not giving yourself any time to wind down. And if we think about the olden days, I know it's not the olden days anymore, but if we think about the olden days, we would wake up with the sun and then when it got dark, we didn't have all of this electricity and artificial light, so we would go to sleep. Mm. So, And, you know, things would gradually wind down. So as the sun was going down, we might be having our dinner or cleaning up or whatever, and then, you know, you'd slowly wind down. And now it's like we think, oh, switch the light off and we're done. And I think we need to get back into that slowly winding down and getting into a pattern. So it's a lot to ask of our bodies, isn't it, just to switch yeah. off? Yeah, wouldn't it be nice if we could just turn the power point off? <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yeah. So I Although sometimes recommend... I feel like that happens. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I do because I don't have any problems with sleep. <laughs> uh, I recommend trying to have dinner at least two hours before bed so that your you know, digestion has finished or it's, you know, you've done yep. your digestion and then you can go to sleep. So if we're going to trying to go to sleep when we're still digesting, we're not going to get into that good quality yep. sleep. So try and leave and it's, you know, I know it's not always possible if we're trying to get to bed around 10 o'clock. So do the best you can, um, minimum of one hour. Or if you do have to go to bed close to bedtime, try and eat something that's easy to digest. Mm. So something, I always think fish, if you're going to go for an animal protein yep. um, and, you know, not having things like pasta or something that's going to be harder to break down or like a big steak mm. might be a little bit much if you're going to bed quickly. Uh, and then taking time to actually wind down and have a bit, a bit of a routine. So uh, maybe you would want to do, it depends on how bad the sleep is, but maybe some meditation, maybe some deep breathing yeah. before bed and trying to go, sorry, trying to go to bed at the same time every night. Yeah, actually like training your body. And that's what you do with um, young ones because you have a routine. So it makes sense that we as adults would also respond to that. And it's, yeah. just out, it's, it's more so not for training ourselves to, okay, this is bedtime, but to actually get that hormonal response happening to, to the sleepy hormones to peak at the time that we want them to. And like you said, expose yourself to daylight in the daytime, in the morning, mm -hmm. but then again, dim light at nighttime. So mm -hmm. I don't like overhead lights at night. I like just to use lamps mm -hmm. to, to keep the lighting fairly low so the body does know, you know even three hours before bed, the body knows that it's nighttime. Yeah, and um, that blue light from your gadgets and your computer screens and your TV screens, try and avoid them for at least the hour before bed. If you absolutely can't do that, though, there are things that you can get into. Like there's an app you can get for all your computers as well called F.Lux, or you, it's just the website is just get flux. And what that will actually do is it will adjust the screen tone so that it's warmer when the sun sets and then brighter when the sun rises and you can like you can switch it off so that like if you have to do any sort of color dependent computer work um well you shouldn't be working at night <laughs> you can switch it off for an hour or so um alternatively you can get super cool orange or amber colored glasses <laughs> so that stops that blue light from affecting so the orange light stimulates your melatonin and the blue light suppresses it so we want to try and tweak that <laughs> Yeah, yeah, mm. nice. 
uh, stimulants as well we haven't spoken about. So things yeah. like coffee yeah. or energy drinks, you know, we don't want to be having them in the evening because that could interrupt our sleep or make our sleep uh, not happen. Mm. And everyone's different in terms of how much that will actually affect them. But um, some people find that like they need to be completely avoiding caffeine from 2 o'clock onwards. Because if you have a slow detoxification of caffeine, and that's going to be staying in your system for a longer period. Yeah. And someone who has a fast detoxification. Yes. Also on what you're talking about with foods as well, I think so definitely don't eat too soon before bed, but don't be too hungry. Sometimes if you are under eating or you're on a diet or in particular the low-carb diets, I find that can affect people's sleep. So you might want to try, if you're having some sleep issues, just having a little bit more carbohydrates before bed. Um, and that's like root vegetables, starchy veggies in particular is the best forms. And one of the ways that that works is that it's, it's tweaking that tryptophan amino acid, which is used as the um, precursor to make your melatonin. So having a bit more carbs just helps to supply the tryptophan but um, similarly avoid like just balancing your type of meat that you're having so that you're not having too many of the, the muscle meats like your chicken breast or your steak have more of the higher glycine containing meats like um, osabuco or beef cheek like the gelatinous cuts because they have higher glycine in them and so that doesn't com compete with your tryptophan as much and the other one's alcohol <laughs> now how many people do we know that um have a glass of wine to wind down at night to help them sleep but in a lot of the times this can actually be causing your sleep problems and you tend to be more restless and feel feel more unrefreshed the next day as well so it may be worthwhile just having a few nights throughout the week where you're actually trialing avoiding wine or, or whatever you're drinking just to see how it actually affects your sleep and nicotine is going to be affecting your sleep too yeah <laughs> So when, when you're talking about getting to bed at the right time, I think yes. so the thing about the thing I usually recommend for that is work out when you need to get up and then count eight hours backwards. Because mm -hmm. if you actually say to yourself, all right, I'm going to bed at 10.30 tonight, then like if you're sort of just watching TV and like a show that comes on and you're sort of saying, I'm going to go to bed at a decent time or at this approximate time or whatever, then you can say, oh, I'll just watch this one more show or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, so it sort yeah. of helps you to be a bit stricter. Get the off time. And if you're going to bed now at midnight and you're learning from this uh, interview that you need to start going to bed earlier, it helps, I often find, to wind back in 15-minute blocks. Mm. So tonight go at 11.45, maybe do that for a couple of days, and 11.30 and slowly wind back so that you're not suddenly going from midnight to 10 and then getting to bed and going, oh, I can't sleep because mm. your body is programmed to be going to bed at midnight. So slowly mm. wind it back. But it is the textbook recommendation is to try to go to bed at 10 and wake up at 6. Uh, now that's, you know, not that's not going to work for me in my because I work until eight o'clock at night by the time I've had or I get home at eight by the time I've had dinner it's nine so I'm not going to be going to bed at 10 o'clock so we've got to make it so that it fits with our modern lifestyle but it's really I really try to emphasize try and be asleep by 11 if you can uh, because your adrenals do do their repair between 11 p.m and 1 a.m so <laughs> we really want to get you asleep before 11 p.m if possible yep yep <laughs> Because you've got to allow for that time where you actually fall asleep. Yeah, <laughs> so just getting exactly. to bed by 11 may not cut it. Yeah. <laughs> Unless yeah. you're one of those people that could just go. <laughs> <No>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
just going back to what we were talking about before with the mindfulness and the meditation, I think that's really helpful for a lot of people. And what um, a lot of the studies have found is that the sleep, sleep hygiene often isn't enough. And so you need to have some sort of cognitive behavioral work alongside it. And so um, mindfulness and meditation can be part of that. So I think so set aside 15 minutes or so in the early part of the evening to write down any worries that you have or make a list of things that you're, like you're thinking that you might need to do the next day. Um, but that's only necessary if those sorts of thoughts are, keep, are keeping you up. You don't have to write this. Um, and if these thoughts come back to you while you're, trying, while you're trying to sleep, just say to yourself, now is not the time to think about these things. This has already been done. I've it's, it's already addressed now is like not a helpful time to think about that and just try and wipe your mind clear think about your mind like a blackboard or a computer screen where you just sort of wipe 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 and then repeat that process as each new thought comes up comes back and the thing about mindfulness is that it brings you out of the, the past or the future and brings you into the present where we tend to be um, less judgmental about things and where worry and anxiety happens less in the present. It's more so in the past or the future. So the mindfulness is really important. And you don't have to do a 15, 20 minute meditation. Even just one minute of meditation before you try and fall asleep can be really helpful. Yeah, or um, breathing. I find, you know, if people don't, know how to meditate just mm. concentrating on their breathing yeah. is a meditation yeah exactly there's so meditation is comes in so many different formats and breathing is just so fantastic and like even just going through and concentrating on relaxing different parts of your body or um you can listen to a tape or something um that yeah. gives you a guided meditation as well that helps a lot of people to concentrate yeah. And where you said with writing the thoughts down, I find with those people who can't sleep because of the circling thoughts, mm. once they write it down, usually I get people to keep the notepad by the bed. So if it happens and they can mm. write it down straight away, that usually gets it out of their head so that they yeah. can. It's awesome. It's amazing. It's just like, okay, it's on the paper now. Now I can think about it tomorrow. I think Kiki K have a little notebook that's called 3am. <laughs> oh, today that's awesome. <laughs> Must be specifically for that. Yeah. Yeah. Now they'll be Kiki K are going to run out. Their sales are going to skyrocket. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. um, and then we're talking about sleep debt as well. So what you were saying about how like you, you want to sort of work backwards, it's sort of along those lines as well. But sleep debt is basically like you build up this backlog of tiredness that you then need to burn off at nighttime. And so, um, for some people, they may need to do a bit more exercise in the day or be more active in the day so that they can actually build up that sleep debt more because if you don't have a big enough sleep debt, then you're going to be too energetic to get to sleep at the right time. Um, but similarly, if you're overtired and you have too much sleep debt, then that can affect you as well. So it's a little bit of a tricky balance working on it. So you know, for some people, um, napping can be good, but sometimes napping can be bad as well. So you have to play around with it and figure out what works for you or, or talk to a practitioner who can help you. They can usually sort of figure out from what you're saying as well what you need to do. Um, and yeah, and then the other thing that naturopaths always look at doing with people when they're coming in for sleep issues is addressing stress in the day. So this is like the, the major thing that we often look at, um, apart from your sleep hygiene as well. So it's really important because if you're not so stressed during the day, then your, your sleep isn't going to be as much of a problem at night time. Yeah, if you know how to manage your stress. You yeah. Know. 
Yeah. And there's so much that can be done. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's such a, and it just goes to show how complex this whole area of sleep is and insomnia. It's not yeah. just apple sleep. There's so <laughs> many different things to be looking at. Yeah. So I guess if, you, if you're worried that you're stressed, then um, you could consider getting a cortisol test, which will tell you if, if your stress hormones are affecting your sleep. Um, and then there's herbs that you can use to support stress as well. Like we said as well, the mindfulness and the meditation can be really helpful. And you don't just have to do it before you go to bed. You can do it throughout the day as well. Um, so yeah, deal with stress in the day. Really important. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And another thing I just um, remembered that I always think is important for sleep is to have a nice bedroom. If your bedroom is full of clutter and it's messy and dirty and you don't really like it very much, then why would you want to go there and spend eight hours of your life? So I think it's really a, a nice thing to do to make sure that your bedroom is decluttered. I do not like televisions in the bedroom. I think that the bedroom is for sleep and sex. You yeah. don't have televisions yeah. in the bedroom. <laughs> Uh, so have it as a nice relaxing, you know, nice lamps, a nice bedding, and have it as an inviting environment where you're just going to feel relaxed and it's a, a, a zen zone. Yeah, and also having the right colours in the bedroom. So if you're having very stimulating colours, then that's probably not going to be conducive for sleep. Yep. So like orange and reds and things like that, maybe not so great. They're better for your kitchen. <laughs> yeah. So do you use a lot of supplements in your clinic when you're treating people with sleep problems? Uh, I will usually use, there's a couple that I really like. Uh, I use on myself and with my patients a magnesium supplement that's got uh, sour cherry in it as well as the magnesium. So magnesium helps to relax the nervous mm. system and relax the muscles. Um, but, and the sour cherry has natural melatonin in it. Mm. So it helps with the, so I did my adrenal stress profile and my cortisol was pretty high in the morning indicating that my sleep wasn't that great and um well I think I know what it is but it's not it's not maybe me that's disturbing my sleep it might be my partner uh, <laughs> and that's something so, we should have mentioned in what to do um <laughs> like factors that can affect your sleep it's yeah <laughs> snoring partners <laughs> yeah so send them to a naturopath that- <laughs> yeah, I give him the powder as well. So what I'm trying to do with the magnesium powder is relax the nervous system and get the melatonin happening. Mm. So get the melatonin there so our body knows that it's sleep time. Uh, that one is lovely. That one really contains strong. lactium as well, doesn't it? Does, it does, which gives you that drunk, sleepy feeling. Yeah, which is so that's derived from milk and um, it's often the, the chemi- like the property in milk that people are sort of finding helps them when they have a glass of warm milk before bed, that sort of thing. Yes. Mm. Uh, and then obviously herbal medicines. So mm. there, I use the herbs and the uh, that magnesium, and I find they're such a lovely combination. Mm. Mm. There's also L-theanine, which has just become a bit more out there at the moment, um, which is derived from green tea, and that that's really helpful in helping to sort of stop that racing mind as well. Um, and you can take that a little bit beforehand, and then if you feel like you still need something by the time it's bedtime then you can yeah take a bit of stronger herbs or, or something along those lines and the bark flower white chestnut for unresolved circling thoughts yes i use that too <laughs> yeah that's a, i pop it in the herb herb mm. mixture if i'm using the liquid herbs and that oh, yeah. works really nicely 
And with the magnesium thing as well, so magnesium is probably my go-to, but there are some people that do need a bit of calcium alongside it, and that can be because like you might need more calcium. But if you, I find that if you're deficient in magnesium, then you don't take the calcium alongside it, whereas if you're deficient in the calcium, then you do need a bit of magnesium alongside it. Um, and so if you're getting restless legs and things like that or like foot, like leg cramps, throughout the night, um, depending on the nature of the cramps, that can sort of steer you in the right direction. So um, usually your practitioner would be able to advise you on what will be the most helpful for you. So some other factors that can affect your sleep, apart from your snoring partner, <laughs> um, which Pateco can be really helpful for, um, mm-hmm. and, and same with sleep apnea. So doing some Pateco breathing throughout the day, five minutes at least three times a day, can help with snoring and sleep apnea and also stress, which we know affects sleep too. Um, but while we're not going to go into them, um, restless leg syndrome, chronic pain, menopause, all these sorts of things can affect your sleep. So you want to deal with those sorts of issues if they're happening. So if you haven't listened already, check out our menopause podcast and, um, they, all, all of these things I'd suggest seeing, seeking help from a health practitioner because it, you can really address it. Mm. So what's your favorite herbs for sleep? Uh, passion flower. Mm-hmm. I love, uh, a really simple formula that I started using a long time ago was just passion flower and with Ania. So yeah. I used it on myself. I was don't, I like to experiment on myself and I was at work one afternoon and I mixed myself this little shot of passion flower and with Ania and I got home and I was sitting down eating my dinner and I, I started, this wouldn't happen to everyone, but I started falling asleep eating my dinner and I forgot that I'd taken that. Yes, you did fall into your plate. I was, yeah. I was just nodding off. I thought, what's going on? What's wrong with me? That I would never <laughs> normally fall asleep eating dinner. And then I remembered that I'd mixed this little shot of herbs. So that then became my go-to. Now I'll do it. Now, obviously, I prescribe depending on the patient. Zizifus. Love Zizifus. Yeah. yeah, so that's, that's really one of my good. favorites. Yeah, sleep maintenance. That's mm-hmm. a really good one for sleep maintenance and for um, for getting the sleep cycle right. So, you know, a long-term use of this has been shown to actually change the sleep cycle and improve the sleep cycle, which is nice. Rather, I always say to my patients, you know, sleep herbs, unlike what it did for me, they're not generally going to make you fall asleep. It's not like taking a sleeping tablet where you're not going to be able to keep your eyes open. Mm-hmm. They settle the body to allow you to fall asleep. And generally, they won't make you feel groggy the morning after as well, which most conventional sleeping medications will do, which is what people come to us for is because they can't function without sleep, but then they can't function with the medications that they're taking for their sleep. Kava Kava is one of my favorites as well. And I use that in the tablet form, but that in like the water extract tablet. And I find that's really good just for giving people a bit more Zen. Um, and the more you take, the stronger the effect. Yeah. But for some people I have, I have actually found that that can make them a little bit more groggy than the morning after. But mm. again, it depends on the person. Yeah. I can't take valerian. I can't use valerian. It gives me headaches. Yeah, well, that that was something I wanted to cover as well as the as the idiosyncratic effect with valerian, and this is something that people find is that sometimes when they take valerian, it can make them more agitated or they can get a headache or, or something like that. Whereas it should be making you feel chill. In in some people, it has the opposite effect. But there is Mexican valerian, which is a different form that doesn't have that effect. 
And then looking at herbs like the sour cherry to help with your melatonin, but chase tree can be helpful as well in boosting melatonin. Melatonin is amazing. It's an antioxidant. It's helpful for breast health and all sorts of things. So we definitely want to be looking after it. Yeah. levels and then addressing the stress through the day with stress herbs throughout the day really important yeah and then your nutrients that you need throughout the day as well yeah some people it might be that they need a b vitamin during the day yeah to help. yeah, yeah. So. which you wouldn't want to necessarily take before bed because then like the vitamin b6 can give you really vivid dreams yeah any other herbs that you love for sleep uh, I like doing teas, obviously. So teas with passionflower, lavender, chamomile are really nice. Uh, I I can drink quite a bit of tea before bed, and it doesn't affect my sleep, and as in needing to get up to do a wee. But some people might need to be careful of how much they drink before bed because we don't want it to end up interrupting their sleep. But you know, maybe an hour or so before bed, just sitting down and having a cup of a nice relaxing tea. Uh, that's that's a nice nice way to go as well. Uh, and the lavender, I mean, I love lavender. Lavender oil as well on your pillow or on a tissue by the bed or in a um, diffuser might be nice. Um, that's or you know massaging it into the body or into the temples. Yeah, nice and relaxing. That sounds lovely. So that's a awesome bit of information about sleep. I think that. If you're, if you're continuing to have problems after you've tried to incorporate some of these things, then definitely see a practitioner. And most of the time, if you address your sleep hygiene and you deal with your stress during the day, then sleep does improve. But for people who have got really chronic sleep issues, it can take a long time. So be patient and keep working on it. Because your sleep is precious and it's very important. So thanks everyone for listening. If you enjoyed listening, then please leave us a review on iTunes. And you can find me on naturopathnsw.com.au and you can find Laura on birthandhealth.com.au as well. And all our social media links are on there too. So thank you, everyone, and see you later.